We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast, which is a lie today because it's not post-match. It is a pre-match podcast. Uh, this is me, Lean, from ArsenalVision.co.uk. In today's show, Elliot, Tim and James will be discussing the summer and our upcoming game against Liverpool at the Emirates. I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about the new season coming up. I know a lot of the focus these days is about transfers and what players haven't come in and blah, blah, blah. But to me, it sort of misses the point a little bit now. Uh, this is the reason why we're here is because of the Arsenal the players we do have. That's not to say that we couldn't do with some extra faces and extra quality in some areas, for sure. I'm convinced that will happen. In the meantime, we've got a decent squad ourselves, you know. We've got Granit Xhaka. I'm interested to see how, how he features and how he plays with the players around him. Yeah, excited. I'm excited about it. Hopefully we, we start off really well and beat Liverpool this time and not have a goal ruled out for offside. That would help. Without further ado, let me hand you over. And if there are any new listeners, come back after every game because uh, there's a podcast post-match, hence the name Post-Match Podcast. So uh, tune in and then enjoy the game. Enjoy the season. And it's good to be back. Just one senior first-team player into the squad as we sit on the brink of a brand-new season of the Premier League for Arsenal Football Club. And no, you have not pressed play on last year's season preview. This is the season preview for the 2016-17 season of the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. I am joined by two gentlemen who are going to tell you why everything is all right, and you need to put down those pitchforks. Uh, first is James Sego. James, it is a pleasure to speak to you on this fine day. Hey Elliot, good to 
be back on the pod again. Yeah, it's great to have you back. And just to make sure I get this right, you can follow James on Twitter at GoonerFanatic49. That's the one. Boom. I'm in mid-season form, motherfuckers. <laughs> and as always, we are joined by Tim Stillman. You can find him on Twitter at Stillberto. Uh, and you can read his wonderful work uh, on our blog as well as listening to him on other podcasts. In fact, if you aren't consuming some of Tim Stillman every day, uh, there's a possibility that you have not gone on the internet. Tim, pleasure to have you on. It's a pleasure to be here, as always. As always, we have a lot to get to. All right, that's a lie. We have nothing to get to, but we will get to it uh, post-haste. Before we do, I just want to let everybody know, uh, your humble host here would request a few things. First of all, please share this podcast. Tell people about it. We'll be back after every game this season, uh, assuming that we can find the wherewithal to do that if things are going well, if things are going badly. Uh, Who knows? Who knows if there'll be a Twitter left to talk about. Um, But so share the podcast. Give it five stars on iTunes. You can write all the nasty stuff in the comments. We'd appreciate it. Additionally, uh, I have started a new company called Todayte, T-O-D-A-Y-T-E. That's T-O-D-A-Y-T-E. You can get it in the App Store. It is a dating app. Yeah. Uh, I am married with a child, and I have a dating app. There's nothing incongruous about it, uh, and I will deny that there is if you tell my wife. Anyway... I would appreciate you checking it out. We've got some cool videos. We shot a commercial. We did some stuff. Even if you just want to give feedback, uh, we're at the stage right now where any feedback would be super helpful. So just thought I'd throw that in there. All right, let's get to it. First things first, we did a podcast early in the summer where we kind of covered Shaka coming in and and the transfer stuff up to that point. So um, let's not start all the way from the beginning. I got a really interesting question on Twitter. I don't have it in front of me, so I have to apologize to the uh, wonderful person who sent it. But I'll start with you, James. Right now, if you if we didn't add another body at all, um, another signing, another addition to the first team, which would concern you more regarding our fate this season, our ability to score goals or our ability to keep the goals out? Um, well, given in typical Arsenal fashion, we seem to... Um, amazingly be going into the start of a season with already an injury crisis at centre-back. Um, that being said, I, my major fear is is going forward, the lack of goals we've been able to score um, really over the last two seasons, and it's something that Arsenal has pointed to on a number of different occasions, um, is what would probably be a, um, what would arguably down, be a, a major downfall going into the season. I think when you look at the structure of a team, you can somewhat make up for um, individual quality in your back line, especially with a more sort of structured and um, defensively sound and all-around all more solid um, midfield, um, starting from your, your defending from your front to your back. I think we've seen that with um, teams that have prospered when you look to Leicester and the individuals they have um, in their back line and the, the ability that they um, had in uh, closing out teams in the back end of last season still. Um, but really, when it comes down to it, over the course of a season, in a lot of those those tight games, you need that moment of magic, the, the player that's able to make that difference. And of course, we do have it in Alexis and um, and Ozil, but we've been so reliant um, over the last couple of seasons now on, on just a, a couple of individuals. And the, the way in which we've been able to spread out goals has been um, a little disappointing. So I think of the biggest the biggest issue we have is either, um, and I, I, in an ideal world, I'd like to have both, but it's um, you know, bringing in a goal, another goal-scoring or a, a different type of striker to Oli. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or bringing in a goal-scoring wide forward that can um, add goals. You know, I mean, of course, a lot of the discussion now is is you know someone in uh, someone like Mares, which I think um, would be an excellent addition. Um, someone who's able to provide that playmaker role out from wide and also contribute um, with a number of goals. Uh, I, th- I think that's what would probably propel the team most, given the mm-hmm. current state of the squad. But I would be I would, either way, I'd be a little worried for the, certainly for the first few weeks, given the um, injuries and potential lack of uh, cause for um, uh, you know arguably just the, the Liverpool game and. Um, I, I don't know if it would extend past that. Yeah, I, I think there's a good chance he may actually be thrown in anyway. Um, and I, I don't know how I forgot that it was Calvin Masterson, but it was Calvin Masterson on Twitter who sent in that question. And Tim, uh, just really quickly, first, with respect to the question, I, I think <clears throat> we can agree that um, the immediate need in defense is worrying if cost isn't available for the weekend. But assuming Koscielny comes back in, which which end of the pitch is your bigger worry in terms of us going on and achieving the things that we think we want to achieve this season? Um, definitely from the attacking front, I really, really think that that's why we haven't won the league for the last three or four years. Um, going back to 2014 when Liverpool scored 100 and Man City scored 101 and we scored 67. Um, I think that tells you quite a big story. Well, and Ars- um, Arson did make comments in- to that effect at the end of last season, right? That we didn't have yeah, the goals yeah, for the title. He did, yeah. Again, he's, he said it for the last three seasons, and he's been right. Um, but the reason I'm more concerned about it is because we are, by definition, an attacking team. That's how we define ourselves, and therefore that's what we need to do best. That's where we need to be most efficient. But also, I, I think that I'm not that fussed about the personnel at the back. In fact, if, if Mertesacker and Gabriel were both fit, I wouldn't really be hankering for a centre-half that much. That's not because I think the four centre-backs we have are you know, the four best in the world and we couldn't possibly improve. But I just think the way we're set up, I, I don't think it really matters who plays at the back. Um, I don't think Arsenal's defensive organisation is, is good enough. I don't think um, they're protected enough. So, to be honest with you, I, I don't think it really matters. Well, hmm. it it does matter, but not that much um, who who's actually back there. So for, for me, it's definitely, definitely up front. And I, I think we need a wide forward and a centre forward. Um, I think we need both of those things. And I think we need both of those things in the starting eleven. So um, that that's definitely where my concern is. And like you say, you know, I, I understand that everyone's been quite anxious constructing their, you know, likely starting lineups for the Liverpool game. If you do it for the Leicester game, um, assuming everyone stays fit in the interim, which is, you know, no guarantee, um, it actually starts to look a little bit better. And and actually, you know, you, you start to look at the squad and think it's not that far away with a couple of additions. But how often have we said that? But for me, I want two additions in the forward line. I think we really need that if we're going to win the league. Um, and and the back, yes, with Mertesacker and Gabriel injured. Yeah, we need a centre-back now, but I'm much more concerned about what's happening up front. That's fair. Let's stay with the defenders just for a minute, though, because there's there's a couple of interesting things, I think, to unpack here. First of all, and Tim, wouldn't you think that one of the things that we miss when Mertesacker isn't there is that he's our best line-breaking passer from the back and that it makes it much harder for us to build up from the back without him? Yes, yes, there is that. Um, Whether the signing of Granite Jacker um, makes that less of an issue. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. And actually, 
I think Kashelny is quite a good line breaking passer in, in a slightly different way. Um, and actually, I, I think I read something by um, Anam Arsenal column on Arsenal this week where he was talking about um, actually you shouldn't really need your midfielders to come and pick the ball up off of your centre halves. You're, in this day and age, your centre half should be able to pass the ball more than five, ten yards. And actually, Kashelny is quite good at doing that. He's quite good at passing forward quite purposefully and, and cutting out the middlemen and finding Ozil and, and Alexis and whoever else on the left-hand mm-hmm. side. So uh, I, I do think that's a bit of a concern, um, yes. But I think it, it can be offset in other ways. And I think it looks like we're going to be slightly more direct this season. I think we're going to start pressing teams much higher up the pitch and that actually the kind of the quote-unquote build-up that we used to see where, you know, Mertesacker, where there was a chain like Mertesacker to Arteta, Arteta to Ozil and so on, I don't think we'll see so much of that. And from what, I've, what little I've seen of Granit Xhaka, he's a very direct passer of the ball as well, and he, 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 he passes quite long mm-hmm. um, quite quickly, and I, I think that's going to become a feature of our play this season. So, yes, it's a concern, but... I don't think it's as big a concern as it would have been a year or two ago. Okay. Well, having said that, one of the things, James, that a lot of people have been pointing out on Twitter and has been a source of a lot of debate is Rob Holding and Callum Chambers as options. And I guess you could throw Christian Bielik in there to some extent. And people saying, hey, you know, if you're good enough, if, you, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Um, they've looked good in preseason and so on and so forth. Where do you stand on having to rely on either Chambers or Holding. I, I don't think Bielik is really in the picture, particularly yet for first-team action. But having to rely on those two, given their limited experience, I mean, obviously Holding has no experience at this level, and Chambers, what little experience he had, more of it's come from fullback, and the manager has seemed reluctant to use him. So do you think it is unfair to expect either of those players to shoulder any real burden defensively this season? Yeah, and I think I mean I, I think it would be slightly unfair. I mean, um, as you mentioned, they're both players that are relatively inexperienced. Um, Holdings never played in the Premier League, and and Chambers, even though he's been around at the club now for a couple of seasons, hasn't actually been given that many opportunities, and really has had a run of games at the football club. Um, I still, you know, it, it, of course, it does look now with the the Gabriel injury. Uh, Although six eight weeks has been purported by the the media, and that's what Arsenal officially um, that's the official line they're coming out with. You do wonder whether that um, has anything to do with the current negotiations for a new centre back, potentially Mustafi, and um, whether that's actually a longer period out, which would mean um, outside of the first game against Liverpool, one of those players um, is going to act as your as your immediate backup for either the a new centre back signing and and that of Lauren Koscielny, but. Uh, Still, from a from a squad planning perspective, I mean, neither of those players are perceived going in as anything other than um, fourth choice. And you know, given the technical astuteness of of, of both individuals, and um, I haven't seen much of Holding, so it, it's difficult for me to speak specifically on him. But um, of course, having albeit for a, a poor Bolton side that were relegated at, at such a young age, he was um, awarded their Player of the Season, and um, I'm sure there's something about him. And was you know part of the reason that he was sort of brought into the squad. Um, I th- you know 
that you know being that being said, coming into the first game and given that that type of opportunity, it's 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 what can make and break a, a player's career. And I actually wonder if, given the experience Holding has had in the um, immediate season preceding, whether Arsenal might look to have Chambers go out on loan and for Holding to actually come in as as well, I guess the third choice early on, but um, fourth choice for the greater part of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a little worrying. Of course, it's a little worrying to have. Um, to have to look at Liverpool as a home game with um, the, the way that they're going to press our defence from the off and the attacking threat that they'll no doubt have on the club. Um, and you know, that then goes back to um, the, ne- the negotiating style, I suppose, of, um, and the way in which we operate within the transfer window. But if we do get a good centre-back and um, bring that over the line, even if it is after the, the Liverpool game, I s- it, it still looks to me as, as a well-covered position. Um, you know, even even given the fact that we're ultimately looking at um, two two of our main defenders out for a long period of time, Lauren Koscielny, unfortunately, I I would I would suspect he wouldn't start. I'd be surprised if he were to start, um, given um, what what we saw happen to Alexi Sanchez after being rushed back and effectively impacting the first couple of months of his season. But, if Koscielny yeah. doesn't start, who who's who's the centre back pairing for Liverpool then? It's a tough one. I I imagine. I mean, I know I just said Chambers is likely to be the player loaned out, but I imagine Chambers, given his experience of actually playing at the football club, would start alongside. You know, honestly, it would probably be Monre. You know, if it's not yeah. Koscielny, it would probably be Monreal at centre back with Gibbs pushing out to the left, which isn't ideal. But I mean, Monreal did show in that stint he had that he um, his ability in those one on one duels. Um, and well, and, he, and the good thing is, look, as a Liverpool are probably not going to pose a threat aerially. At least, if you look at the kind of front line they're going to put out with, you know, potentially Firmino, Coutinho, and Mane. You know, Nacho would be the tallest of that group. You, you don't really have the target man. I mean, I guess I don't know if Sturridge is fit. I just always assume he isn't. But um, you know, I, I guess he could be more of a threat. He, you know, we know the manager does love to throw on all the fullbacks method. He could go with a a foursome. Right, he could go with Bellerin, Debushi, Nacho, and and Gibbs, <laughs> <laughs> and just empty the fullback ranks. But it, it does create a problem. Um, Tim, well, real quick, who do you who do you think will start at center back uh, for Liverpool, and not for Liverpool um, I, against Liverpool? I don't well, care who starts for Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do think Nacho Monreal will start for for the reasons that you that you pointed out that they you know it's not like they're going to play Christian Benteke. Um, and actually, Monreal's a very good one-on-one defender, very good at getting in front of a marker. Um, uh, and I actually think he ought to be able to, in theory, cope with Liverpool's style um, OK. Um, I'll be fascinated to see who he partners, though, between Chambers and Holding. I would go for Chambers just because I know a bit more about him. I, you know, I, I don't really know much about Rob Holding, and Rob Holding's never played in the Premier League, and to throw him in to a less-than-ideal situation like this might not be fair, but... I, I do wonder what the signing of holding means for Callum Chambers um, in the long term and, and the fact that Callum was used so sparingly last season as well. Um, that multiplied by comments that Arsene Wenger made about you know, getting young players from the lower leagues because the ones who kind of come through at the top level aren't hungry enough. Uh, and I, I wonder maybe if, if he was thinking of Callum Chambers there. I, I just can't think of any other reason he's not not playing him and not really showing an awful lot of faith in him. Other than, um, other yeah, than a I, lack of quality, I mean a perceived lack of quality. 
Uh, yeah, well, maybe. I personally, I I don't see that. I really like him, but there's, there's obviously something. Um, there he's that's, had some memorable roastings, hasn't he? I mean, he's had some very memorable performances right where he back. was destroyed. <laughs> I think at right back, yeah, at centre back, he he had that game, you know, against Liverpool the last first year. Half, where in the yeah. first half, he was awful, but. Um, I, I was so enthused by the way he came out in the second half, and I just thought that's you know that's a guy that that you know mentally looks very very tough because I thought for all the world he was going to be substituted and yeah. he wasn't, and I thought he was really really good in the second half, and I was and I, I can understand why he was a bit shaky because he hadn't played for a while and he was playing next to Gabriel. I think had he been playing next to Koscielny or Mertesacker, it might have been different, but it's such an unfamiliar pairing alongside. You know, your your senior partner doesn't speak any English and isn't a regular in the side himself. I can see how that's unsettling. Um, but he, he seemed to get to grips with it. And when he came on against Leicester last season, I, I thought he was absolutely terrific at dealing with Vardy. Um, mm. But, you know, the, these are only little snatches of action we've seen from him. And obviously, there must be something that Arsenal's seen on the training grounds that um, that just concerns him because I just don't know why you buy another centre half exactly the same age. Um, really, I, I don't understand what that would be about unless he's got doubts about Chambers. So I'd be very interested to see who who he starts. Um, who did he Who did he start with in the friendly? Was it It was Chambers and Holding, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he'll do that. No, so. wait. What am I talking about? Gabriel played ninety minutes. Oh yeah, of course, of course he did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. how how quickly we forget. And by the way, not an impressive 90 minutes. I think, no. you know, if there is another reason for concern, it's that if Gabrielle hadn't gotten injured, we'd all be talking about how worried we are about Gabrielle. Um, and mm. I think his struggles last season combined with how he's looked in preseason would leave us saying we still need another one in. So even if he is back in two months, that doesn't, quote, solve the problem. You see what yeah. I'm saying? It yeah. it still leaves us in a very precarious position. I think with Chambers, Tim, you know, you can you can you only have to look as far as Francis Coughlin to see a guy who, a younger guy who the manager didn't rate and seemed to be slipping out of his plans, who because of an injury crisis was drafted in and resurrected his career. Um, there is a big opportunity right now for Chambers to go and show he's got what it takes, but yeah, I don't think anybody time. would be surprised to see the manager just do what he feels he has to and start Nacho and Koscielny on the weekend, right? I, I I don't think he'll start Koscielny. Um I I really really hope that he's learned his lesson about this because um, about bringing players back too early. And uh, as James alluded to earlier, you could probably you know coach Koscielny through the game for ninety minutes, but uh, that would that would mess up his entire preseason. And you're probably looking at for the sake of one game. Um, well, you know, Nacho Monreal's done a good job at, at centre half before. For the sake of one game, you could ruin the next two or three months for him, and I, I really hope we're not tempted to do that. Yeah, well, because, I mean, right now, he's arguably the most important player in the entire team. Um, given that any scenario where I think we can defend depends on him being fit. And, and Tim, I, I take your point to some extent. We've had this discussion before that defending is more about system than personnel. Um, mm. But I think when you're talking about 18-year-olds and 20-year-olds who have no experience, oh, yeah. it can just be... It can be too much. Um, big time, big yeah. time. We we can't go in with Chambers and Holding partnering each other. Ha- having one of them, yeah, maybe. 
both of them together, no, that can't happen. Yeah, and, and here's the other thing, right? The one thing you don't want to do in football is take an area of strength and weaken it. Right, mm. so like you want Mesedozo playing at ten because you have an advantage positionally there. You you want Nacho Monreal at left back because that's a positional yeah. advantage. He's very good there. So moving him to center back really weakens you at two spots. Right, you have a compromise yeah. at center back, but you have Gibbs at left back, who I know some people are partial to him, but he's not Nacho. Um, yeah. uh, so James, let, let's get to the really important issue. How mad should we be? Should we be really mad? I mean, is is the summer a disaster? I mean, the, the mood on, on the web, and I know the web can be a, a misrepresentation of reality, um, because I don't know if you know this, but people can be really angry on the internet from time to time. But it, I've, it, yeah, it's troubling. I mean, let's say we don't get anyone in before the season kicks off, which is, you know, three days. So I think that's reasonable to say. Or certainly we're not going to get anyone in who can play by Sunday, I wouldn't imagine. Uh, even if we get a Mustafi or someone, I, I can't see him playing f- for us this weekend. So with with just a midfielder in and and youth players, how, how badly have we botched it or have we not botched it? Listen, I, of, and of course, coming from someone like myself, it it is the cliche, but I, I think it's a little... Yeah, it's a little tough to evaluate the success of a um, transwinder, if we want to refer to it as such, um, just 11 days into August. And uh, admittedly, as you mentioned, this is the squad that's set for the first game. And well, and we have a tough start. I mean, you know... If we, we do have a tough start, and, you know, three, three points at the beginning of the season are the same as three points at the end of the season. Yeah. That being said, you do invest in your squad for, you know... For the entirety of, of, of a season and, and for the um, f- um, ensuing seasons after that. And I think, you know, from an outsider's point of view, it, it's all, it is a little tough for us to comment on just how, how difficult and how, you know, how long we've been chasing after, say, a, a, a specific target in the form of, um, say, a Mustafi, if that is, um, that seems to be the most likely centre back that we would bring in um, over the next few days. Um, or certainly before the transfer window closes, and especially when you look at you know the two positions we've we've been struggling with, and um, what you know striker which we've been struggling with for several seasons now, centre back and striker. When you look at the sort of uh, when you when you look at the global football, when you look at the football world as um, as an entirety, those are the two positions where a lot of teams um, have struggled for and where there's a real paucity of options. Um, Arsene has talked about it frequently and you know, one of the biggest issues he might have is, is often sometimes a lack of willingness to compromise in order to, to add to his squad for, um, you know, f- for the season ahead and, and to be able to bring in perhaps a slightly secondary option um, to kind of bridge the gap um, um, until the next transfer window where he's able to have a shot at it again and um, which I guess is sort of related to to the the so-called dithering that many relate to um, Arson and his ability to compete within the transfer window. But mm. I, I think I think when you look at, when you look at the type of players we're now trying to bring, the type of players that are able to actually push this team forward, it, it doesn't strike me as being as simple as you know just throw an extra throw an extra five million and and sort of get the deal done. Just just throw money at um, at, at the issue and. Um, it will it will it will resolve itself not in the way that we we operate as a club and you know with that comes both its pros and cons we're not a, a club that's that's run by um, a billionaire who's just who, who's 
um, running the club as um, its play toy and, and and wants to just sort of build for immediate success and bring in a lot of new lavish signings and build this um, real kind of aura around his presence at the club and um, and just and developing the club in in that accelerated fashion, you know. And after all, I think we do get a li- you know let's not forget we do sometimes get a little caught up I do appreciate that there are um, those two real pressing needs but we do get caught up in this idea that um, uh, you know the, the value of a player that you the amount of money that is paid for a player is immediately equated to um, to just how successful one is during a transfer window process and um, whilst it's unlikely that Rob Holding is necessarily going to break much ground over the course of the season you know, he, he may turn out over, over the next few seasons at, at, at 2 million to be a superb signing I think we're seeing now that someone like El Nene at, fi- at 5 million or 10 million um, with bonuses uh, um, looks a very very competent signing but, but doesn't um, that but undermine all- one of your points just real quick James I'm sorry I just want to jump in in the sense that I totally agree with you and I have always been of the position that if arson rates a player I don't care if he costs 1 million pounds or 100 million pounds but when you can get a guy like El Nenny, when you can get a guy like Welbeck, when you can get a guy like Gabriel, who admittedly hasn't panned out, and they can come into your team and contribute, I mean, the excuse to me that, well, it's hard to buy a Benzema or Lewandowski, it's hard to buy, you know, a, a, a world class center back. I don't buy it. It's a big football world. We have real need. And at some point, if you can't buy Lewandowski, you find a solution that you think can add to your team. If you can't buy um, Benucci, you find someone who can add to your team. I mean, isn't it incumbent upon the scouts and the manager ultimately to pick someone to fill the need, to, to, oh, to, to I, get I something done? I agree. Don't say me wrong. I, I mean, I absolutely agree. I'm just, I, I think... Given how difficult it is for it is for us to evaluate the way in which these negotiations take place and and the process mm-hmm. that goes on for these types of transfers, that I'm willing, you know, to allow to see where our squad stands at the end of the the transfer window. We have three games up until August the thirtieth. We have what is it Liverpool at home, Leicester, and then Watford away. I think even when you, as Tim had alluded to earlier, even when you look at the squad for the Leicester game with Özil back, with Koscielny um, back, and with Oli back. It's still a very, you know, it's still a very good squad. It's still, it's still got a very talented eleven. It's not a squad that uh, is unable to accrue the the required points leading up until the end of um, the transfer window. And we've seen in the past that it is, a, it is a bit of a gamble. There's no doubt about that. And we don't necessarily know what's going on behind the scenes. How far something like a Mustafi signing has progressed, or um, you know, if you were to bring in, well, he's not playing this weekend, so we know we sure. know it hasn't progressed far enough. Uh, yeah, and I, I appreciate that. It is a little worrying when you look at that when you look at that back four for the, for the one game. But I prefer personally to take a a Mustafi even at the end of the transfer window than than a slightly weakened version just for the sake of um, throwing him in for for one or two games extra. Of course, um, I think the more pr- the more appropriate question would be: Is it worth spending three or four million more to have him for the start of the season if the real issue is that we're just trying to drive a hard bargain. I mean, the funny thing well, is you could probably look at the value to the club over the next decade of winning a league and distill it down to points per game, per 38 games. Right. And you could argue that, that winning a title might be worth 3 to $5 million a game, you know, a, a pound yeah, a game. Yeah, but I mean, there's so, many other, there's so many other factors that go into the timing of a, of a signing, you know, whether it's the, 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 sell, the selling club, in this case, say Valencia, requiring to bring in 
um, a new option prior to the the sale of the of the prior to their player going out. Whether it's down to agents' issues, I don't know if mm-hmm. the transfer between you know United and Pogba over the last you know month or two has has necessarily gone down in price, or you know what what the issues were related to that. I just it it is tough. Don't take me wrong, and I would prefer for all of our signings have been made before the season started, have a good pre-season and for um, to us to really kick off um, right from the beginning. But I think when you do look Me historically, <laughs> it, can go, it, it can go both ways. I mean, we've signed Jackus almost so early to the point where people are, there are some people who aren't even sort of crediting it as a, as a signing. Is, um, well, that's crazy. I mean, it's sound. a great signing. Look, look right. l- let's just agree but to this. The plan even, was sound. Go ahead. Go ahead. Even, sorry, even the last two seasons, I appreciate um, we only signed Czech, and it did seem that was the um, that was the uh, sort of option taken to only br- to bring in outfielders and just bring in Czech. But Czech was brought in early, Jacka was brought in early. The summer before, we, we made a number of signings. I believe Debushi, Ospina, um, Sanchez, Chambers, all players that were brought in very early on at the beginning of the summer window. And I, what I think that alludes to is the fact that there seems to have been this idea that's created that given the way we operate in the transfer window, we have this incapability of bringing players in at the required time. We rely upon this, this kind of mad rush towards the end of the window where some, where, uh, some more players uh, become available and we kind of snatch um, in the way that we did in that, in that trolley dash of, um, was it 2011 or 2012? Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I, I think we have progressed in that regard. We're, we're in a much stronger position, but you know, given Arsene's um, style, he's a, he's a man that is very um he's he's very determined to bring in a very distinct type of player and and only one that he genuinely believes is um is going to fit into the squad appropriately and if not he'll he'll happily sort of turn away and 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 um and work with what he has and yet there I are there are examples of him bringing in head scratching players as well though <laughs> i mean hijacking the deal to get park at the last minute and you know, Schmack and Squalacci and Sylvester. And I mean, we don't have to cover old ground. I just think, look, the plan was sound, right, James? The plan was Vardy, Mkhitaryan, Shaka right away, beginning of the summer, hit the ground running. And had that come off, regardless of what we think of Vardy as a person, I think all of us would have been saying, bravo, well done. What's troubling is that we didn't seem to know how to follow that up when it when it didn't go right. Um, and we've kind of floundered. And we don't know if that's because negotiations are ongoing or there were other targets who we weren't able to get either or we just bounced from target to target. We don't know. So we can only judge by what has or hasn't happened. Let me get Tim back in here for a second, though, Tim. Um, you spoke at length and wrote at length last summer about the gamble the manager took on cohesion, and I think you were more or less in favor of that gamble. I think you've moved off that position now. Um how frustrated are you that the deals aren't done so far? And what would have to happen between now and deadline day for you to feel that this summer wasn't mismanaged? Uh, I would have to say I wasn't quite in favor of, um, of cohesion. No, no, no. Um, I said I, it. I said it. So it's true. <laughs> so you were. Sorry. <laughs> I suspected. We, I, well, I really thought we needed the striker and so did the manager, which is why I spent the whole summer going after Karen Benzema. Um, that's strongly what I suspected. I strongly suspect that we need a wide forward and a centre forward. Um, my position on any transfer window is that um, August is an absolutely absurd time. September is an absurd time. October is an absurd time. 
to judge the effectiveness of a transfer window because there's just too much we don't know. And um, I think because the transfer window has become like an industry in its own right, and for many people it's become um, a, a bit of a competition, and that's certainly how it's presented, um, it's become a very self-contained thing. And I think what's happening in football is people are losing sight of the purpose of the transfer window, which is to affect things on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm one of those crazy people that will wait and see what happens on the pitch. Now, last summer... I suspected that we were certainly a striker short, and I thought, I think we've needed a wide forward uh, probably since Arshavin didn't work out um, and Javinho didn't work out. So, um, but probably when the season's taken quite a bit of shape, February, March, that kind of time, that's when I start to make my judgment on the success of the transfer window, and that's why. I'd did last season I think kind of around February March became quite critical because I think some of the things I suspected we needed were you know were obviously not there and did hold us back a bit some of the things I didn't anticipate I really didn't anticipate central midfield being a problem it was because we got so many injuries there and um, there's there's just too much that that we don't really know. If you look at Manchester United's last three summers, they've, they've bought incredible players for lots and lots of money, and it's not really done anything for them. You look at Man City's squad last summer, and this time last year I was looking at the squad thinking, wow, that looks complete, that looks like a really, really good squad, and they did nothing. And um, I certainly didn't... I, I tipped Leicester to finish 20th, so... <laughs> and, and that's an extreme example and probably a bit of a one-off, but... Um, I think the idea of a bit, yeah. I, I think the idea of judging a window, um, even when it closes, let alone before it closes, is it, it, you just can't do it. Um, like I say, I, I have my suspicion that we definitely need a striker. Um, I think we're on that. I think we've been on that very obviously for the last few summers without success, probably. But we're on that. Um, I think we need a wide forward. I. I really, really think that we are interested in Mares, and I, I think that might happen. Maybe not till deadline day, but I think that will happen. Um, and it, it really, really looks like, in fact, by the time this podcast comes out, Mustafi might, might be holding up a shirt on Arsenal.com. I think that's that's very far along. So mm-hmm. I, I personally would feel very better, a lot better, if those those three things were done. Um, I, I think then of the suspicions I had, you know, in my own mind about the squad back in May, you know, I was thinking stuff like, well, it's probably time to say goodbye to Theo Walcott. It's possibly time to say goodbye to Kieran Gibbs. And we're probably not going to be able to sort those situations out. What about um, Debushi? I still think he might go... Um, if we get another right back in, but again, I'm not. Maybe the fact that there's no there's no tournament now, maybe he'll be a bit happier to, you know, to be a backup. Um, I don't know, but yeah, the, I think those are the things I'm slightly more concerned about um, actually, because I do think that by hook or by crook, eventually we'll get most of those big pieces done. Um, but some of the kind of window dressing of the squad, I'm not so sure that we will. Mm-hmm. And as you said, had Vardy and Mkhitaryan come off, then those are probably the exact things we'd be addressing now, and our our energies have been consumed elsewhere, which you know, which is which is disappointing. But it it kind of it is what it is. Um, but I'm 
I'm not frustrated about the window at this stage. If we don't get anyone else, um, you know, we'll see. But we just we don't know. Granite Jacker looks looks to me like, yeah, that's exactly the type of player we needed in the position that we needed a player. Ticks a big box. He could be rubbish. It or it could not work out. He could be a brilliant player, but it might not work out. He might not settle. Yeah. He might get an injury. Asano might be the next Aguero. Um, and again, I'm not saying I think that. I well, he won't be. He won't be this happen. season, right? I mean, he won't be this well, season. Well, I, I, I'm sure. I, I'm, I might have imagined it. I'm sure I read Wenger saying a couple of weeks ago, like, he'd, he'd, you know, dependent on him getting a work permit, he'd, he'd like to keep him in the first team squad. Well, he also and said he, Christian Bielik would be a first team player when he signed him. I mean, I mean, I'm, again, I'm not trying to just yeah. be flipping about this sort of thing, but I, I I'm no, not even no. sure he can get a work permit. I, I think. Um, let's agree to this at the point at which you're starting to need Takuma Asano to be a part of your team this season for things to go the way you yeah. expect them to you're already into the realm of Leicester winning the title right you're you're out in that exception yeah, to the yeah, rule yeah. kind of situation I, I think you know your, your point is a valid one that you cannot judge the impact of a, of, a, of a signing right away I mean hell if that were the case Ozil would be a failure um, but I think what you can say is that if you had a need at the end of one season and you fail to address that need in the summer. You are now relying on more or less chance and hope to be your reason for improvement, right? Or maybe, maybe, or maybe coaching. Well, coaching, organic improvement, right? Oxlade Chamberlain yeah. could have a breakout season. Theo Walcott yeah. could rediscover his game. But what I'm saying yeah, is that you you make you make your life tougher because with the same pieces in place, you have to be able to create a better picture. You have to hope something different is going to yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah, Contrary to the evidence you already have. And, yeah, and of course. here's the problem Absolutely. with that, Tim, because it burned us last season. Sometimes that does happen, but sometimes the opposite happens, which is players who were yeah. good last season take a step backwards, right? Going yeah. into last season, we said, Ox looks really ready for a breakout season, and maybe in Theo, we, we've found a guy who's ready to learn how to be a striker, and as it turns out, Theo kind of fell off the table, and Oxlade Chamberlain took a step backwards, not forwards, mm. right? And we started to see some of the deficiencies in Coughlin's game, and and the old guys were too old to contribute. So while you can sometimes look for that organic improvement, you can have organic uh, deterioration, so to speak, yeah. if that makes yeah, sense. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I want to do this. I want to quickly touch on the Liverpool game because I want to get to a, a, also sort of a quick look ahead to the season in general. Um, I, I think the one thing that that people do people are very often willing to acknowledge the risk of getting it wrong with a signing oh we sign a guy for 35 million and he's a bust you know city can afford to do that we can't and i, I would say two things in response to that which is one um i think the financial situation has changed so much that we can i, I just think it's simply a fact that we could spend 35 million on a player have him not turn out and light him on fire and push him into the thames and still be fine financially except for the wrongful death lawsuit and subsequent um, punishment for that. But I also think there is a there's a risk to not signing players, the risk to not being able to re-sign Alexis and Ozil because they don't feel that you're showing ambition in the transfer market and they want to be at clubs that show that ambition, the risk of falling out of the top four and the financial implications that has, although they're not as great as they were with the new TV money. I think that we've also seen with Ben Teke at Liverpool, the money has gotten so crazy now. If we had spent the last three seasons investing in players who never helped us, and just sold them now for going rate, we'd probably have made money on them. 
Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so I, I think the risk of not buying now has potentially surpassed the risk of buying poorly, um, with just the exception that if you buy poorly and put bad players on the pitch, you'll play poorly. Um, okay, so James, really quickly, we've already talked back for who do you expect to start ahead of the defense for Liverpool? And just really quickly, um, what do you expect from the game? Um, so I expect um, Santi probably as superb a preseason he's had. I don't think he's quite yet uh, match ready to start. So I suspect Ramsey will probably start in the number 10 position. Um, and then the interesting question is who sits in behind. Sure I think Jack is pretty much guaranteed that, um, that spot. Um, and I... I'd be, I personally would be inclined to suggest El Nenny, um, Jack are two players that are very comfortable on the ball. Jack in particular, it would seem, um, play against the press of Liverpool. Um, and but you know that being said, I think you know Cockerland starting against City seems to be a big indicator to me, um, having played alongside Jack with Ramsey in the ten. Um, my inclination would be that Arsenal's keen to bring in the athleticism and the counter-press qualities that Cockland brings to the table and um, alongside the, the distribution and our ability to, um, to bring the ball from defence to attack through Jacqueline in the directness that um, Tim described previously. Um, so, I, I, so I guess, yeah, that, thinking out loud, that, that, that would probably be the front three if I were to, um, if I was to second-guess Arson, Although, given the performances of El Nenny, um, personally, I, I'd probably be inclined to play him alongside Granite, um, and then I think that brings to the up, to the front three, which I um, I think Alexis and Theo effectively pick themselves given the paucity of options. Um, and I can't, I don't. Uh, unfortunately for Alex, I think, and um, as good a preseason as he's had, one of his biggest issues is is the similarity in certain qualities he has with Alexis, um, and so I, I struggle to see the two of them playing alongside one another. Um, and given the balance and um, the balance of style in Awobi, his his ability to kind of drop deep, his um, his technical skills on the ball, and um, his more sort of playmaking attributes, I'd I'd probably see him on the left with Theo ostensibly starting up front and Alexis on the right. Um, but the two of them being able interchanging in the way that they they are able to do when the two play alongside one another. Um, as to how I foresee the Liverpool game panning out. Um, I'm a little worried, to be honest with you, just uh, <laughs> given the given the immediate crisis at um, at centre back, uh, which is quite stunning. Given um, you would think the one game we might be able to avoid a, a, an inj- a injury crisis would be that of a, um, of the game with the full preseason behind one. Um, <laughs> but you know, you've got a you've got a lot of You've got a lot of new combinations in um, in that lineup and down the spine with you know certainly a new centre back pairing um, and a new centre mid pairing with Ramsey playing in albeit a position he, he somewhat plays for Wales. It's quite he's he's certainly not pl- played there much for Arsenal um, and Liverpool have looked you know I've, I just saw the game against Barcelona at Wembley they've looked very dangerous very quick um, and they'll certainly be up for it. Um, at the Emirates, so I, I think all, all said and done, I, I'd, I'd probably be quite happy with a draw first game, um, and I think that's probably where it would be something, uh, something along the lines of a one-one um, toughly um, before game where we might actually go behind and and, and pull it back, um, but 
uh, that is that is to be seen. Yeah, um, I, I can agree with a lot of that. I, was our only game against Klopp's Liverpool last season the three three in January? Yeah. Yes. Um, interesting. I'll give you my thoughts in a minute, but because I know everybody's dying to hear that, uh, Tim. What do you think? Who who gets to start where, and uh, what do you see from the game? Um, I I agree. I think that it looks like Coquelin will start alongside Granite Jacker. Um, I I prefer to see El Nenny myself, but I do wonder if it's just more because Coquelin is good with the counter press. Weirdly, um, Coquelin tends to be more effective in home games than he is away games. Which, Why would he be I'm... good with the counter press? Just out of curiosity, because I mean, obviously, he's not. He doesn't move into position to receive the ball well. He's not as comfortable with the ball at his feet distributing quickly. I, I'm just curious what your in, your thought process is there. Um, well, he's good at kind of counter pressing himself. Oh, also, oh, I see. I'm um, sorry. I thought you meant reacting yeah, yeah. to Liverpool's counter press. Okay. No, no, no. Um, although he does, you know, he acts as a kind of decoy, effectively, doesn't he? <laughs> Where he kind of takes up, um, he takes up a position and you know takes a player away. Yes. Um, so that usually it's Kazora at the base of the midfield, but it would be Granite Jacker um, mm-hmm. who will do a fairly similar job. So I, th- I think it will be Coquelin and Jacker just reading into what he did against Man City. I think Ramsey will play in the 10 ahead of that. I think you'll see Awobi on the left. Um, I think we'll see Alexis through the middle with Theo Walcott on the right. Um, I've, I've written about this tonight, actually, um, that Alexis and Theo actually make quite a good, um, quite a good strike partnership. Um, and I think that can work quite well if you've got Alexis in number nine and you've got Walcott getting ready to kind of make those runs in behind the fullback. I think they complement each other very well. And I thought I think you saw that in Theo Walcott's goal against Man City, where you know Alexis he's a bit of you know he's a bit of a roamer. Um, so if he's going to play the number nine role, he's going to come out of the position a lot, um, and that gives Walcott and Ramsey an ample opportunity to run into the space. And that's exactly what happened for. The second or third goal against City, whichever one it was that Walcott scored, you know, Alexis came out of the number nine, laid off. They played a one-two with each other and Walcott went steaming into the space. And you see that quite a lot. And Walcott's best games up front usually see Alexis score lots of goals. So I think Wenger will be keen to get that kind of partnership going. And I think that will hold the key to the game completely agree with James I think it's slightly concerning for us that our spine is so unfamiliar with the problems at centre-back and with you know a new midfield partnership and you know I think Ramsey will be okay and in, in the 10 because he's kind of used to it but you know that, that's a very unfamiliar midfield three certainly in that shape so yeah. I think a lot of our chances will depend on how much havoc that Alexis and Walcott can wreak I think it will be a draw um, Arsenal-Liverpool games usually are, uh, I, I think, 1-1. There's going to be goals, right? I mean, neither team yeah, strikes me as fantastic defensively. If you can get past their press, exactly. they're vulnerable. And we obviously have the personnel issues at the back. Um, and they have, they have Mignolet. So, so we've got that going for us. I don't disagree with anything you guys said. I do think that Awobi, Alexis, and Theo are the most likely uh, trio up front. I... I think this is a game you want Santi Cazorla because I think he's someone who's so comfortable with the ball at his feet that you get him the ball as quickly as you can and let him elude the press and either wriggle out of it with a dribble 
or start the attack with a pass. I, I think a Kazorla and Shaka partnership in this particular game could be very useful. Um, I think Coughlin, I, I, I disagree, Tim, and granted, maybe it's just a Coughlin bias. I think he's not a lot of use to us in this game only because I think that we are going to need a, a base in midfield of players who can create space for their partner to pass and move the ball quickly. I think El Nenny would be great here because he can run for days and he, he moves. He's very fast with the one touch passing. I'd prefer a Shaka El Nenny or a Kazorla Shaka uh, pairing. Um, but if he goes with Cochran, so be it. But I, I think a game like this where your your deep midfielders are going to be under pressure, they're going to be receiving the ball with two men around them pressing them every time they get it. That that worries me with Cochran in there. Um, so we'll see. I think as far as the game, how it goes, I, I see goals. I don't see how it finishes because I think if we can get past their press, we should be able to create the chances to, to put them away. Um, whether we can finish them is always the question. I think there are going to be a few situations where uh, unfamiliar midfield and an inexperienced back four get pressed and make mistakes and, and give them chances. Um, so I, I do think it's just going to come down to who makes the most mistakes. And that's where I worry about our, our back four just being as inexperienced as they might be, at least the center backs. Um, so let's talk about the season as a whole. And obviously you're going to have to do a little prognosticating about our transfer business because I'm sure your opinions of what you think will happen this season depend to some extent on what we do the rest of the window. But without saying what you think we're going to do the rest of the window, James, um, how do you see the league campaign going, the Champions League campaign going, the FA Cup campaign going, the Capital One Cup campaign going? What, what do you think happens? Um, you don't have to tell season, me what you think for a Capital One Cup. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> this season, uh, ahead of most, is as tough as it comes to call just because of the incredible amount of influx that's taken place at the league with um, top-level managers having come in. Um, and in particular with just with the money in the Premier League, um, so it, it really is difficult to assess just how successful some of these these big money signings from you know from both top, top to um, to bottom teams. Uh, I unsurprisingly have a very um, a, a good amount of faith in the foundations and the and the squad we've now built at Arsenal. For many seasons, we've always talked about. Having a lack of options, I I think that's certainly it's certainly not the case in central midfield. Um, you know, even with this mini defensive crisis, we've now met, having brought in a player like Holding you as a you know he is ultimately a fifth choice centre back. Let's not forget um, across the p- pitch now. There's at least two two players for each position. The worry going in now, as we've talked at length on this pod, is is really just is is the quality of those first choice, um, especially up front. Um, or in that atta- in one of those attacking positions, is it good enough for us to win the league? Um, I'm not. I have absolutely no concerns of us um, competing from a, a, from at, at a minimum sort of second to third position. Are we good enough to to win the title? Um, the positive and opti- uh, optimist side of me um, is inclined to say yes, assuming um, we do bring in a player like Mustafi and at a minimum get in. A goal-scoring attacking threat, whether it be a wide forward or a striker, um, like him, I'd be 
that much more confident if we managed to get both a striker and wide forward. But I think, I fear that would be living somewhat in dreamland. Um, I honestly, I mean, you look at Man City, you look at Man United now, you look at Chelsea, um, and unfortunately, you look at Spurs and outside of Spurs, who I imagine may have a you know play in a similar way and have a similar season to that of last year. I just I can't call it on on just how how far Pep will be able to take that City team forward. On paper, the signings he's brought in don't um, uh, don't scare me too much. But um, he's changed up that team a lot. He's still got a, a, a large quantity of top players. When you look at Sergio Aguero um, and the likes, United is they're going to be terrifying in attack. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, and uh, you know United are a whole different prospect now, um, both from you know Jose Mourinho to bring in your, your players like Ibrahimovic and Paul Pogba. Um, Chelsea don't strike me as being all that threatening after the, the shambles of a season they had last year and um, and and the lack of change. But whether you know that that being said, that squad won the league two years ago, um, and you know hasn't actually changed all that much and, and maybe reinvigorated. So and no Europe calling it. <laughs> and no Europe exactly. So calling it is incredibly tough this season. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, the 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 depth we have in midfield, the the in, you know the the amount of potential. I and I think ultimately, as it tends to with me, I I do think a lot of it comes down to is how much um, how much of Ramsey's ability and potential can you unlock? Because when we saw that in thirteen fourteen season, in the thirteen fourteen season, the way he was able to drive that team, you know, without an Alexis and without um, uh, an, another top quality attacking option. Uh, if we can get that in, you know, I, th- I think it's an incredibly dangerous side. That if if the Jack and Ramsey partnership uh, works in the way that my uh, my fancies have been running on repeat over the last couple of weeks, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we could be golden. Disturbing. Okay. Um, but um, but yes, yeah, so th- the Premier League is tough. But I think we'll definitely be in um, in, in and around the the title challenge. I, I do foresee it as being an exciting season if if the transfer window. Is I do stress that close with a sense back and an attacking option. Champions League. I mean, it's last it's, sixteen. Book it. It's <laughs> yeah. Book it. It's done. You know, get that. Get the one away trip in and uh, and and bring yourselves home. I think you know. I, again, the team is progressing. It, it has the ability if the, if the draw draw falls the right way for us to progress a little further. But um, it, it, it there's little reason for me to have much more faith than. Um, than that, frankly, but you know. That being said, the Champions League, when you get to the knockout stages, ought to be more of a crapshoot than we seem to um, make it out to be. No, we make it a pretty sure thing, don't we? (laughs) (laughs) That we do. Um, Um, Yeah. Anything in the FA Cup or too too tough to say? FA Cup, I think, just because just because of the depth of our squad, certainly um, in midfield, right? I mean, we we can play all backup midfielders in the FA Cup and still have the best midfield in the competition. Right. Oh, yes. I, I mean, uh, to, yes, to a certain degree, and um, the way in which we've approached the FA Cup of the last couple of seasons shows the seriousness with which we take that competition. And you know, I wouldn't be. I, I would predict at minimum sort of a quarter semi-finals, and, and would not be surprised to see us at Wembley. Um, mm-hmm. But ultimately, this season is all about the Premier League for me. Um, that could be mitigated by a shock Champions League victory. Don't take me wrong. Um, but yes, yeah, I'd, I'd take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I'd, I'd settle yeah, for I'd be, it. I'd be somewhat content. I'd be satisfied with. We could a, finish fifth, and I'd still take it. <laughs> <laughs> we could finish sixteenth, and I'd take it. Fair but um, I, yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's, it, 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 this season is, you know, it's 
it, it is a really determining season now for us, and it's uh, it could be a monumental season for um, for the club as uh, as an entirety. And um, I really, you know, especially how much I, I do love the man and um, the uh, the amount of respect I have for him, both as you know, both as a, a human being and as as a coach and manager. Um, I really hope for a, for him and for the team that this is the season that we can really push on and um, and even if it leads to him leaving, I would hate for us to finish. You know, I have another sort of close but no cigar. You know, uh, really drab last couple of months with a, with a really bad feeling because that will ultimately be the sentiment that will always rem- that that will be the overbearing sentiment. Unfortunately, um, that will leave Arson, um, and it's that would be a real shame for someone who's brought such an incredible amount of success and um and so much to this football club so um but i'm you know unsurprisingly i'm i'm confident that that will be the case i've seen a general upward trend in in the in the club last season was a little hey we finished slower. second <laughs> in in some ways there there was some progress made even uh even given the season we had and that did at least point to some benefit of cohesion in the sense that no matter the the big transfer signings that we saw at clubs like United, um, it doesn't necessarily pull you in, a, in an upward trajectory. And I think at a ver- at a very minimum, since we've moved ourselves into a club that has the financial power and no longer, um, most importantly, is forced to sell some of our top players, um, we've continued to to gradually gr- to gradually grow as a football club. I, mm-hmm. uh, and I think actually one of the big worries for us has been actually the lack of style, you know, the lack of excitement in our play. And so you do hope looking at uh, bringing in someone like a Xhaka into that central midfield, um, increasing the technical quality right through from our defensive midfield position. Um, you know, hopefully that's hopefully that's an improvement. And I think that would that would be a major uplift for us as fans. That's playing better football. Yeah, just playing better you know, football. Even, even if you had the ex- exactly if you had the exact same results. Um, there would be whilst actually playing more attractive, more um, exciting football to watch. There, you know, there would probably have been a better association with that of last season. Yep. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's an exciting one for me personally. I've, I managed to, uh, for the first time, get my own season ticket, um, even if only on a on a season long loan. So I'm incredibly excited to be back yeah. in, in the football scene and uh, and finally get to sort of breathe it, and live it, and breathe it for the for the season. Hopefully, so. So yeah. That's great. Look, I, I hope I hope it is one that you will remember for a very long time uh, for the right reasons. And Tim, you know, I mean, what is it about Arson and squad composition, man? We've got we got three teams worth of great midfielders, and just nobody else anywhere. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting season, especially depending on what happens the rest of the way with uh, transfers, but. Just building and baking into your assumption what you think we'll do in the window. How do you see it playing out? Um, I, I think it will be quite similar. Um, I, I I think we'll finish third um, or something like that. Um, as James said, there's so many unknown quantities in the league. Um, even leaving aside, you know, where on earth are Leicester City going to finish, for example, um, and and things like that. There's there's just so many unknown quantities. I I tend to think that Chelsea not having European football um, might swing the league for them. Unfortunately, I also think that Conte is uh, quite a good fit for the squad that they have. So I I think they might really take advantage of that. Um, 
Pep's ideas I can see taking maybe a year to really take hold. So I'm not sure they'll win it this year, but probably next year and the year after that, once uh, once his kind of quote-unquote philosophy really really takes hold. You know, United, well, United have been almost a meek, apologetic presence in the Premier League um, for the last kind of three years. And now they've got Mourinho, Pogba and Ibrahimovic. And leaving aside the quality of those individuals, that's a lot of ego that's been put into that squad Um and, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's what, well, sorry, it's a good thing if you're a Manchester United fan because uh, that's exactly what they needed. A bit more, um, you know, some bollocks, frankly. And they've they've got certainly two of the biggest egos in world football. And I don't think Pogba's too far behind. So they've got a bit more attitude about them. Um, Spurs, I think, have, have under the radar had a fantastic summer because. They did what they needed quite early. Their manager signed a new contract. And one of the things that I thought was going to happen was I thought a lot of their players would attract a lot of interest from elsewhere. But um, that's really not happened. So they've had a nice, quiet summer. So I, I think they're still a threat. Um, but I do just kind of see us nestling in the middle there somewhere um, and probably finishing third. In the Champions League... I don't know, maybe the quarter-final this year, just for a change. Um, no, no further than that, I don't think. I, I don't think um, the manager really prioritises the Champions League anymore. I think we started to see that last season with some of his selections and those opening games. Um, I think he knows that that's probably not going to happen now and, and that actually the Premier League is, is a bigger priority for him. I can see us, I can see us going well in the Cups again. Um, I really think we should have won the FA Cup last year as well. Um, I was very, very disappointed to lose to Watford in the manner we did, and then we'd have had a semi-final against Crystal Palace and you know a final against Louis Van Gaal's United. I, I really think we should have won it last year um, again. So you make I, it I sound so easy. Just... Why don't we just count it as having <laughs> been won? <laughs> well, you know, and uh, and in and in fact, actually, the year before the first time we won it won it in a while in 2014 2013 we should have won it as well because we went out to Blackburn who then played Millwall Millwall then played Wigan in the semi-final and then it was Man City who sacked their manager on the morning of the final and were in total disarray so we should really we should have won it for the last four years I think you heard it here folks we've won four (laughs) FA Cups in a row (laughs) so I, I can see us doing well in that particularly if depending on how far back we are from first place in the league and how far away we are from fifth if we're relatively comfortable in that top four I, I could see us you know making a good fist of the cup if if not we'll probably do away with it um league cup i you know we, we just yeah i, who, who I don't think the quality <laughs> of yeah and i don't think the quality of young player that we have isn't what it was you know during project youth when we were really focusing on that wing of the club so I, I do think it will be pretty much more of the same um, and I'll be fascinated to see if um, if Arsene Wenger thinks that that's enough to sign a new, a new contract, I think the club will um, whether that will keep the natives happy and because it sounds to me like whether he signs a new contract just comes down to whether he can put up with the hassle anymore and if the natives are still restless, he might just think, I, I don't need this shit at this time of my life. 
Um, I, I think the club will keep him, will want to keep him no matter what happens. But um, that that's what fascinates me. I, I don't think the season's going to be greatly different from the last kind of two or three. But whether the manager thinks that's enough, that's that's where the plot line, I think, really lies this season. Well, you've really got me catching the fever now. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring on Groundhog Day. Let's see it. Um, <clears throat> well, you know, I think you made an interesting point about we are an attacking team. That's who we are. And I think one of the challenges is it's always harder to build something beautiful than destroy something beautiful. And I think if you want to play defensive football, you can employ tactics that get you further than your talent. Um, and you can only look as far as Atletico Madrid, who have a lot of talent, by the way, but play a fairly destructive brand of football and have gotten very far with it. I think when you want to play attractive attacking football, you need, I mean, look, you always need some tactical news, but I think you need more quality. And I just don't think we have the quality up front to be a dominant side as an attacking team, especially a possession attacking team. If you ask me what I think is going to happen this season, um, I have to tear it this way. If we get two attackers and a defender, I think we challenge right there for the title. If we get one attacker and a defender, I think we're second, third, you know, maybe flirt with the title challenge before falling away. If we get no attackers and a defender, I think we're scraping. It's a all out blood sport battle to stay in the top four. And if we get none of them, I don't think we finish top four. Um, the one thing that I think is interesting is, look, we had a title challenge going last season, and basically we played last season without Alexis Sanchez, right? I mean, he was injured for much of it and was poor for a lot of it. If we get the Alexis Sanchez of the year before back, if we get an Alexis Sanchez who's a candidate for player of the, player of the season, I think that that really changes things for us. If Alexis Sanchez bangs in 22 goals and, and 10 assists and we get another attacking player who can get, you know, touching 20 goals and 10 assists. Now you have a really interesting situation because Alexis has the ability to totally transform the look of this attack. And he was poor last season, very poor when he played for, for a lot of the season. I mean, certainly by his standards. So I think if we can get 40 games out of Alexis this season in all competitions and, and get him firing at his best level, then, I really think something special could happen. I, I just believe ultimately that this is another season where the title is going to be up for grabs because it's going to be so attritional, and I think teams will take points off each other up and down the whole table. Um, it could be 80 points for a title, uh, 78 points for a title. I, I, I really think that's a possibility. And I tend to agree with what you said, Tim, that I think once Pep has his philosophy installed and the players to to that exemplify that philosophy then it could be problematic for the rest of the league but for right now i think there's question marks at every team um it is always easy to see the optimistic side of your situation and the pessimistic side of others see where chelsea are weak where city are weak where united are weak and then turn a blind eye to where we're weak and see where we're strong um we are going to have to make those signings at both ends of the pitch, I think, to challenge for a title. But if we do it, then there's no reason why we shouldn't be there. I think the Champions League is a foregone conclusion, round of 16 and out. Um, the Cups are a crapshoot. I think if they're not out on loan, the manager will be tempted to use players like Holding and Chambers and Jeffrey and Adelaide um, and Chuba Akpom and Joel Campbell in the Cups. So it's really a question of what you think of those players and if they're prepared to carry us far in those competitions. Um Ultimately, we have a great midfield, 
And I think we haven't had a great midfield for a while, and we do now. Um, so th- that is going to make a big difference, especially the way we want to play. I just hope the manager gets the business done. I mean, it really does feel like it's incredible to me that we are sitting here on the brink of a new season, having largely the same discussion that we had on the brink of last season. Um, And it's frustrating because we saw it. It played out exactly... I mean, I think going into last season, what we all pretty much assumed Chelsea were going to run away with it. And a couple weeks into it, we thought City were going to run away with it. And it turned out to be the biggest opportunity to win a title since the Premier League era started. Um... And it, it feels like that that window is still just slightly ajar before maybe it slams shut with United spending hundreds of millions a summer and City doing the same, but with you know really one of the finest managers. And if we do change managers, there's going to be a transitional period. So I, I hope we go all out. I, I want to finish on one quick question that I meant to ask because I'm just curious about this. I think it's kind of a fun one. So we'll do it really, really quickly. No long explanation. Then we'll, we'll say goodbye for now. Um, James... If I told you the manager did it, he just blew the budget. He went all out for the dream signing, and, and he, he pulled a madness, as been talked about on social media. <laughs> who, who is that player? Who is madness in your mind? Well, I assume taking away Cristiano or Leono. Yeah, no, no, um, no, I don't mean like who in your dreams would you sign. I mean more of like of the names that have kind of floated around the periphery, uh, Lewandowski, Griezmann, Aubameyang. I'm not saying they're going to happen. I'm saying if I told you one of those holy shit madness players got signed, who would it be for you? You mean if you were telling me that someone had had already reached the um, the peak of Mont Blanc and, and was looking to climb again? Um Sure. I guess Levin, <laughs> I guess I guess Lewandowski. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just a lethal top level finisher, an app, you know, an all-round top level striker um that you could drop into your team. I mean, that that that's that, that's the dream. So, you know, someone who's quick, someone a little different to not Lewandowski's now for his you know, um shearing pace, but someone who um who's able to get in behind and and is just uh, finish from every football. angle in every manner. Yes, I mean that. That's that's what I'm. That you know, that's what I'm dreaming of. Yeah, sure. I think the only reason it's hard for me with Lewandowski. If you said we're going to get one of Aubameyang, Lewandowski, or Griezmann, which one is it? Lewandowski is the only one I can't see how you get him right. You put enough money in front of Dortmund, eventually you'd think they don't have a choice. And I think the same goes for Atletico Madrid, but that obviously doesn't apply to to Bayern. What about you, Tim? If you had to. T- Throw five dollars down, you know, at thousand to one odds on us getting some really ridiculous Ozil type last minute change the face of the club kind of signing. I think I've qualified it enough now. Who uh, who would it be? Uh, Abamyang for me. I think um, that that's just exactly, absolutely, exactly the type of striker. In fact, I, I would say that, and probably. You know, that kind of wiry, mobile, good movement, exactly the type of striker that we need. And probably for that profile, probably one of the best around, if not the best. The hundred, uh, the hundred million pound version of Vardy? <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. But I mean, well, probably not as good as Suarez, but, you know, yeah. It, it, you know, it, 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 for that kind of profile and for what we need, I mean, he, he would, I think he would fit Arsenal like a glove. Um, I, you know, or like a Spider-Man, a Spider-Man mask. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's I, not going to happen in a million years. But that that would be my thinking. 
the the cool thing is when I'm done editing this, it won't be that'll never happen in a million years. It'll be Tim <laughs> said on the Arsenal Vision post match podcast that we're signing Aubameyang, um, and you can find him on Twitter at Stilberto. Don't forget it. I've already said I think we're getting Mares, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is he madness? I think he's an excellent no, player, no, no, no. and and I think we need him. But no, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem for me with Mares is conceivable, right? Let's put it this way: if it was. <laughs> and and we'll end on this. But if it was May, and I told you our summer was going to be Mustafi, Mares, and Shaka, I think people would have said, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's not bad." I think if it happens on August thirty first, people are going to party like we uh, like we did sign a Bamiyang and Lewandowski. Um, yeah, and maybe that's where the manager's brilliant. <laughs> the power of diminished expectations. Um, okay, well, I want to thank you guys for for doing this. We'll. Uh, hopefully have a little more structured discussion post-Liverpool about just how the, the anatomy of a 5-0 win on opening day. Um, so anyway, uh, James can be found on Twitter at GunnarFanatic49, and it is a pleasure, James. I know your work situation over the past year has become really challenging. I'm glad to hear you'll be attending the games and hopefully uh, doing some of the podcasts with us. Yeah, cheers. It's been a pleasure. Hopefully I can um, find some time to do some of the weekend parts, and I, I look forward to uh, to discussing the Arsenal in, um, in the near future again. Yeah, we'd, we'd be remiss, by the way, if we didn't mention Paul pausing in my pants on Twitter. He's not on this pod, obviously. Um, he will be back throughout the season for many of the pods. He did want me to pass along that he predicts we will finish mid-table, and he wants the manager sacked. Didn't sound like the kind of thing he would say but he was, he was pretty emphatic about it so you should direct your attention to uh, pausing in my pants for that yeah he said arson out we'll finish mid table really weird uncharacteristic um, anyway Tim is at Stilberto you can read him and hear him all kinds of places uh, including this place where he is right now uh, Tim thank you very much and it was my pleasure as always yeah as always it was and uh, my name is Elliot Smith you can and should be blocking me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner I highly recommend it um, please download this podcast. If you haven't downloaded this podcast, then that message was a huge waste of my breath. Um, but please give us five stars and then write the nasty stuff in the reviews. It's a clever way to make everybody happy. You can get that trolling thing going, but you also kind of boost us up the ranking so that people can read what you wrote. Um, in any event, we all keep our fingers crossed. Look, at the end of the day, everybody wants what's best for Arsenal. Keep this in mind on Twitter, on Facebook, on the comments section of blogs, on the comments to this this podcast like nobody want well there are some cunts who want arsenal to lose but like we we all want arsenal to win if i moan a little bit or james cheers a lot or you know tim says things that are intellectually coherent it's only because we all want to see arsenal succeed so fingers crossed for a fantastic special title winning treble winning season Mourinho getting sacked before labor day um and you know all kinds of good things happening so until after the Liverpool match, we wish you a wonderful Premier League season, and we will talk to you then. Cheers. Goodbye. Looking for a new podcast to listen to? Here's what we love, courtesy of ACAST Recommends. What's going on, everybody? This is Mac Wilds, one-third of the almighty guys next door. And if you're listening to this, we want you to be a neighbor.
Now, I know you guys are probably thinking, like, what do these guys talk about? What is it? Well, listen, we talk about everything under the sun. We talk about everything that it means to be a young millennial man in today's society, whether it's finance, the type of condoms that you use, or how to deal with love issues, or lack of emotion. We talk about everything, and we go there, guys. We go there. We really, really have a lot of fun. So uh, if you guys would love to, we would love you to come on over, come mosey on down, you know, right past Sesame Street. We want you guys to come, come kick it with us. Come get some sugar. We are the guys next door. Peace. A cash recommends.